0: Welcome everybody at another episode of the wrestling versus the world podcast if y'all are enjoying your day awesome if not Well, I know I'm Let's see if this episode gonna make it seem like it's the best podcast in the world Anyway, so a lot of us remember 2011 for one primary thing and that's mostly CM Punk's rise throughout that year from going from a guy who wasn't really doing a whole lot at the beginning in a way to suddenly becoming one of the top guys But the thing we have, I think everybody's forgotten, is that 2011 wasn't the perfect year for him due to one thing. His booking. So, this episode where I'm going to cover his entire 2011 run. Explaining how he did have his high points, but there were issues along the way. So, we're going to start off with the Royal Rumble. First pay-per-view of the year, and this is how it, generally how we're going to go. It's primarily going to be bringing up pay-per-views and some stuff in between. He started off by costing Randy Orton his WWE Championship match against The Miz, and then later on in the Royal Rumble match, he lasted about 35 minutes with 7 eliminations, which I believe was the most amount of eliminations in the match altogether. So, starts strong in the year, and his reason that he explained later on for attacking Randy Orton and costing him the WWE Championship was was dating all the way back to Unforgiving 2008, when Randy Orton cost him the World Heavyweight Championship that pay-per-view, so he's finally able to get his revenge, even though it took a couple years. You fast-forward to the next pay-per-view, at the Elimination Chamber mat, pay-per-view, ah, uh, yeah, Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. He was the last man eliminated within the, pay- within the match by John Cena, and apparently all these eliminations were by pinfall that's a bit of a surprise but he was the last man eliminated in the chamber match to determine who would be the number one contender to the wwe championship at wrestlemania 27 so he did not get his chance to become wwe champion and i believe if members are yeah even right here it says he was originally eliminated by randy warren but then the anonymous raw general manager announced that CM Punk would re-enter the match but there's a problem there because he still did not win and his i guess the reason being that his pod was not able to be opened so i guess that was their explanation for why he's not getting a shot so he started having the feud with randy orton and in the build of wrestlemania 27 randy orton took out all members of the nexus so it was just down to randy orton and cm punk one-on-one cm punk tried going for a springboard clothesline and got caught mid-air to the rko to lose the feud would not end as it would still go on a little bit longer to extreme rules these two actually opened the pay-per-view in a last man standing match new nexus which would, which I'll explain talk about in just a moment, was banned from ringside, and New Warren got a big RKO for the win to conclude the feud. Now also, to quickly recap up here, CM Punk did start right before this as the new leader of the Nexus, when he suddenly attacked John Cena after finally being recovered from a hip injury, got out of the commentary table, kicked away Barrett out of the group, and started being the new leader of the Nexus. Threw his power around lost Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel because they went over to the core on SmackDown which is not a good idea but they it seemed like this was gonna work for him but then as time went on things kind of got a little more distant with the Nexus even around this time it wasn't really that great because again everybody was getting punched in the head and couldn't be around CM Punk for the matches with Randy Orton so already by this point the Nexus was not doing so well and Randy Warren Randy Orton pretty much won this entire feud with CM Punk. Both pay-per-view matches, boom, beat CM Punk. And I think the only one-up thing that I can remember CM Punk even doing to Randy Orton was the whole thing about attacking him outside of his tour bus and then blowing a kiss to his on-screen wife, trying to represent his then-wife, Samantha, who was staying there in the tour bus watching everything, kind of blowing him, blowing her kiss like, howdy, honey, or whatever the fuck he was doing. So he, so he's already lost this feud. You go on to the next pay-per-view over the limit and all he did technically was just team up with mason ryan and failed to win the WWE tag team championships against big show and kane and plus mason ryan wasn't really setting the world on fire but just it was forgettable so then around this time like i said stuff with the nexus was starting to die down the group was eventually going to disband and that next pay-per-view capital punishment He defeated Rey Mysterio in a sudden one-on-one match. Like, I don't remember there being much of a build. After this, I believe he won a triple threat match uh, later on. I'm reading through my notes. Yep, he won a triple threat match on an episode of Raw. Like, just shortly after this, triple threat match against Rey Mysterio and Alberto Del Rio to become the number one contender of the WWE Championship. After this, he caught caught a promo on the microphone revealing that on the night of the Money in the Bank peer review, which was July 17th, I believe. Yep, July 17th. His contract expired at midnight, so his last day would be the night where he challenges John Cena for the WWE Championship and declared he would leave the WWE with the WWE Championship. Now, there was also truth into all this as Steam Punk's contract was legitimately uh, expiring, and he was looking to leave the company due to ongoing frustrations. So they're doing... The weird thing was this build suddenly just happened out of nowhere because... Like I mentioned, before this, stuff with the Nexus was not going so well. He completely lost a few to Randy Orton. And then, all of a sudden, he's number one contender to the WWE Championship. That's kind of iffy there. Like, usually, you have a bit of a win streak to build up number one contender. Instead, it was just out of nowhere. So then, we of course, we remember in the build of this, the infamous pipe bomb segment. The work show that set the world, quote-unquote, set the world on fire. Depending on what stories you believe. Then, in kayfabe, Vince McMahon suspended... CM Punk, but then John Cena vouched to get his suspension reversed, but then it was announced that at the title match was going to happen, but if Cena lost the title and CM Punk leaves with the WWE Championship, then Cena would be fired. There was also that contract segment signing that happened right before Money in the Bank, where uh, Vince McMahon tried to persuade CM Punk to stay with the company, and I believe you could probably pinpoint that speech or that segment to where CM Punk pretty much turned babyface. Because, like, he was, like, Vince was telling the crowd, I don't give a damn what you people want. Then CM Punk declaring that was the problem, Vince. to so like, saying that he doesn't give a damn about what the people want. And he was like, You didn't expect CM Punk to suddenly say something like that. So, that segment essentially turned him babyface, even though he made a bit of an off-remark, bit of comments towards John Cena face-to-face before getting punched. So, then we finally get to the pay-per-view, and on the day of the pay-per-view, three things happened. First of all, CM Punk backstage signed a contract during the pay-per-view, so he decided to stick with the company. Second of all, for the final time on his nameplate, it would list him as the leader of the Nexus, because this would pretty much be the last night where the Nexus was known as a faction, because it would be an old war, and he was also wearing a brand new t-shirt. And third of all, he would become the WWE champion in front of his own home crowd, well, home crowd slash hometown area, depending on... The description people want to give it, it happened in Rolls he's a Chicago guy, but they pretty much kind of just like Chicago's backyard. Won the championship, stopped Alberto Del Rio from cashing in on him, blew a kiss to Vince McMahon, and ran off in the crowd with the WWE Championship. So CM Punk storyline was no longer with WWE, but in reality, he was still with the company and was the new WWE Champion. However, it seemed like he was going to be gone, but they kind of rushed this feud, or this next appearance, because The following week after John Cena defeated Rey Mysterio to become the brand new WWE Champion when they thought there was no WWE Champion anymore, CM Punk made his return, came out to the song Cult of Personality, and we had now two WWE Champions. So at SummerSlam it was made a unification match to determine the undisputed WWE Champion. CM Punk, John Cena, Triple H as the special guest referee to decide a winner. CM Punk got the victory after hitting the GTS to John Cena but Cena's foot was on the rope, Triple H did not see it. And then this is where things kind of get rocky for CM Punk and his booking. Now, granted, there was interference caught this, but it's still something to note. Afterwards, Kevin Nash attacked CM Punk, dropped him with a jackknife powerbomb. This prompted Alberto Del Rio to come down to the ring, cash him money in the bank, and become the new WWE Champion after hitting a Shining Wizard to be the quote-unquote undisputed champion, even though they dropped that moniker a bit later. So, things were a bit iffy, and this was kind of where... His momentum really started to die down despite being white hot. So after this, CM Punk started this whole program with Kevin Nash and Triple H. And the whole thing was CM Punk believed that Triple H and Kevin Nash were in cahoots to stop him from being WWE Champion because Kevin Nash said that somebody sent a text message from Triple H's phone to his telling him to stick the winner of the WWE Championship match at SummerSlam. But then, Triple H is still trying to, since he's the on-screen COO, he's still trying to claim his innocence, saying he has absolutely no idea what's going on. And, essentially, at Night of Champions, as I mentioned in the part, one of the three episodes of the three-part series about matches being card, affected by a card subject to change tagline in WWE, we had the announcement that it was going to be CM Punk versus Kevin Nash at Night of Champions. However, the same night that it was announced, they completely dropped it, and instead it went to Triple H versus CM Punk. It was made to a, no- a no-disqualification match. And you mostly remember this feud because of the back-and-forth promos, which were pretty entertaining. But one of the big stipulations they also added is that if Triple H loses, he's no longer the COO of WWE, a title that he only had for two months at this point. So they honestly booked themselves into a corner with this one when you think about it. It's like you either have CM Punk win and Triple H loses his on-screen authority role there, or you have Triple H win, and it really messed in for no purpose, and it squashes CM Punk's momentum. And sadly, we got the latter of the two. Even though Kevin Nash tried to get involved, CM Punk took two pedigrees altogether, and he lost. So he got pinned down the middle in the ring, and this was honestly not a good decision. This was even something that CM Punk still held against Triple H, as we heard in the Art of Wrestling podcast. He brought up with him right before, right the day he finally left WWE once and for all, back after the Royal Rumble. Because, I mean, it didn't make sense. Triple H Triple H was pretty much semi-retired at this point. He came out of retirement, uh, semi-retirement, just to beat him. And there was no point. Like, CM Punk never got his win back or anything. It didn't progress anything. So they're still doing the whole back-and-forth thing with Triple H and Kevin Nash. Eventually, Nash gets on-screen fired. But then CM Punk moved on to Hell in a Cell because he lost the championship due to a Werder del Rio's contra- or Money in the Bank contract cash-in at SummerSlam but did not get his contractually obligated rematch as he was supposed to get. Now, Alberto Del Rio was also owed that, because he just lost the championship to John Cena at Night of Champions. So we have John Cena, WWE Champion, Alberto Del Rio, and CM Punk both needing their contractually obligated WWE Championship rematch clause to be invoked. So this makes a triple threat Hell in a Cell match at Hell in a Cell. Sadly, this was another issue, because... At the end, John Cena was locked out of the cell for attacking Ricardo Rodriguez. Alberto Del locked the door behind him, hit CM Punk with a lead pipe, and CM Punk took the pin. So he had three pay-per-views in a row where CM Punk loses, but two back-to-back because you could still put an asterisk by Money in the Bank because that whole concept. So it was two pay-per-views in a row since losing the WWE Championship where he lost for whatever reason. And, of course, after that, we still remember after the after the show, or after the match, the Hell and cell was raised for a moment, Cena got in the ring, brawl, cell lowered, Awesome Truth does the attack, arrested, Triple H gets involved in the brawl. So this then leads to what goes on at Vengeance. Alberto Del Rio would defend the WWE Championship in the last-man-standing match against John Cena because John Cena cashes in his rematch clause, while CM Punk and Triple H team together now that is proven that Triple H and Kevin Nash were not in cahoots. It was all BS on Kevin Nash's part, to take on Awesome Truth because of what happened to Hell in a Cell. Vengeance, and thankfully this tweet of mine actually got on the Sports Keto website, so thank you, Sports Keto. Uh, this one, Kevin Nash attacks Triple H, and CM Punk takes the pin from Awesome Truth for whatever reason. Three papers in a row, where CM Punk takes the pin. And again, it's honestly for no reason, because what came of this? Nothing. Because, Triple H, they were, like, having him go with the feud against Kevin Nash. Awesome truth, you look at what happened next Fear of the Survivor Series against Cena and Rock, and how disastrous that was for both of those, and by both of those, it mean Cena and Rock having to work with that, against that tag team for no reason. So it's like, what was the purpose of CM Punk taking the pin again? Like, Miz and Truth weren't going to become tag team champions. In fact, right after Survivor Series, the team broke up because R-Truth legitimately got suspended for violating the wellness policy. So that pin happened for no reason. So, then they try regaining momentum with Punk because now that Cena was moving on to teaming with The Rock to go against Awesome Truth, because they got involved in the match at Vengeance, costing him the WWE Championship match against Alberto Del Rio... That left CM Punk with nothing to do except to challenge Alberto Del Rio for the WWE Championship and Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden, which he got after making Alberto Del Rio agree to the title match, like title defense, after locking him in the Anaconda Vice. Which, again, is a bit of an iffy move, as explained to what happened a few months prior. He goes on a bit of a, a noticeable losing streak of sorts, like in terms of big matches, and then all of a sudden, he's getting a title shot. Doesn't really make sense. I mean, it's just like when... AJ Styles lost at WrestleMania 32 to Chris Jericho, and then the next night, he's number one contender of the WWE Championship against Roman Reigns. It's like a handful of losses, then all of a sudden, number one contender. is like, you usually don't build up a number one contender starting by a losing streak of sorts before then. So all of a sudden, he's number one contender of the WWE Championship just because. And of course, it's Survivor Series, Madison Square Garden. He gets announced to the ring by legendary announcer Howard Finkel. Rest in peace, Howard Finkel, by the way. And after getting the Anaconda Vice on Del Rio, Del Rio taps. CM Punk begins his 434-day title reign with this title win. And, of course, celebrates in the crowd. Now, of course, he would have his first pay-per-view defense. The following pay-per-view at TLC. The first WWE pay-per-view to not have John Cena since, I believe, Cyber Sunday in 2008. Because I remember he had the match SummerSlam 2008 against Batista and then came back. It's Survivor Series against Cena, or Jericho. So this is the first time in three years we did not have john cena on a pay-per-view and this wwe championship match actually main evented now originally it started off as mentioned also in the three-part series of the podcast that i did about matches that didn't happen as originally planned or advertised it was originally starting off with cm punk versus the Miz and tlc match then del rio got added as a triple threat and then cena added it as a fatal four-way but then cena right afterwards gave up his spot so that zack Ryder kid hit A chance to go for the U.S. title match or U.S. championship at TLC. So once again, it was reverted back to a triple threat match for TLC, which CM Punk won despite getting handcuffed to one of the turnbuckle posts. Still got himself handcuffed, got himself free, and managed to climb the ladder after fighting off both Miz and Del Rio to gain the to pry the WWE championship from the ceiling and retain his championship. So you look at this year. Yes, this began. Him starting to become white-hot with the quote-unquote summer of punk. But there were issues with booking that really messed with how white-hot he was. Because like I said, when he became WWE Champion, number one contender at Money in the Bank, it happened out of nowhere because, like I said, he lost the Elimination Chamber match, lost two back-to-back one-on-one pay-per-view matches against Randy Orton, won some random match against Reigns Serial at Capital Punishment, and then he's suddenly a number one contender. Which would not make sense, because you didn't really build him back up to a proper level just by beating Rey Mysterio on a pay-per-view. Especially after losing the matches against Randy Orton in the Elimination Chamber. Then he becomes WWE Champion, he's Unified Champion, he loses the title for the cash-in, loses Triple H for no real reason at Night of Champions. He takes the pin at Hell in a Cell, and he loses. he's the one to take the pin for whatever reason in the tag match of Vengeance. So really, yes, he got white hot because people were talking about him because of the stuff he said in the pipe bomb, and it got him white hot. But they cooled; they honestly cooled off against him. But like with those booking decisions with losses, yeah, he became WWE champion at Survivor Series. But those three pay-per-view consecutive pay-per-view losses outside of SummerSlam, really honestly messed up his momentum. Of sorts. It was like he wasn't as white hot as he was. In the like leading into Survivor Series, because of that stuff. If he was continuing on a winning streak or something, or the title happen, title win happened sooner to begin the title reign and everything, then yes, it would have been proper. But for some reason, they just decided, hey, let's go from white hot to make him a little bit cold. I mean, almost as cold as the refrigerator that you put the WWE Championship in after Money in the Bank. But anyway, let me know what you all thought in the comment section below about what your thought was thoughts were about CM Punk's run. Throughout 2011, because again, this run wasn't as perfect as people think. When you look at his booking, I mean, yeah, I think his booking would be a little bit better in 2012 because of the length of the title run and how dominant it was and everything. But 2011 wasn't perfect because you have to look beyond just the pipe bomb promo. But as I was saying, let me know your thoughts in the comment section below about CM Punk's run throughout 2011. I mean, you gotta remember, there was more to that year for CM Punk than just the pipe bomb in the beginning of the 434-day tile run, because nothing was really consistent when you look at it. So let me know what y'all thought in the comment section below. If you enjoyed this episode, remember, leave a like, follow, subscribe, depending on what service you're listening to this episode to, bell turn on if you're listening, on, watching this episode on YouTube, and I'll catch you all in the next one. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.